Hey, Anna. Hi, Sim. How are you? You're still in Italy. So yes. ho- home stretch now? Sadly. What's on the agenda for the last part of the trip here? Um, we're going to blast um, DMX throughout the Tuscan countryside. It's like you should be playing really romantic. I just find the choice of DMX very, very curious because is he relevant right now? Or is it just because you want to listen to some classic rap music? I think DMX in general, I call him my D. Um, (laughs) You know, it's a little bit of an aggression outlet. (laughs) (laughs) You got to experience this sometime. Every once in a while... I want to get DMX on the show, and I'm, I want you to tell him the story. I think it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I, he's I, my D. I, I can't wait. Sim, if you have that power, please make it happen. I'm going to try and make this happen. I can make a lot of things happen. Well, let's see if we can pull DMX in. Yeah. Where are my dogs at? Where's the hood at? Where are my bitches at? But he's constantly asking sort of where, and that's something that I'm also constantly asking. It's like, oh, where is Greve and Chianti? Or uh, where is, you know, Moltalcino? We don't know. <laughs> I've always said that you and DMX have so much in common. And yeah, we're, we're sort of wanders that are questioning sort of existence and, and practical locations as well. <laughs> if you can do that, then uh, I already know that you're the best producing partner. Aww, best thank friend you. that I could have. But if you get DMX, <laughs> you know, I, you're my dog for life. <laughs> All right, so before we get to Topher Grace, let's quickly go through some feedback from the Mayim episode, which is great. Anna, just to refresh your memory, so Alyssa just found out that the man that she's been dating for months has been engaged the entire time. Yes. And Mayim suggested a more confrontational approach through Facebook, uh, but then leans away from the idea of a wrench calling it poisonous. And then Anna, you countered with the advice that Alyssa should resist all temptation to contact either him or his fiance because it won't bring a, a lasting or healthy satisfaction to the caller. Alyssa was unsure of whether or not she should contact the guy's fiance. You know, I have such conflicted feelings about one being a messenger and two the idea of closure i gotta tell you the feedback that i got is saying that we weren't right let me see if this sways your uh decision the other way anna so this is from danielle danielle wrote Okay, question. I just got done listening to episode 128 with Mayim Bialik. First off, I just want to say I love the show. I love Mayim Bialik, and I love this episode and related so much on motherhood, guilt, co-parenting, postpartum, and mental health throughout life. But, but I wanted to say on the advice that you gave Alyssa, I disagree, and I would tell the fiancé what happened. I'm speaking from experience, and I was in the position of the fiancé. My ex and I were dating, and he gave me the same excuses as this gentleman gave Alyssa with regards to posting our relationship on Facebook. Uh, Only my ex and I were living together, and he was leaving for the Navy. I was also three months pregnant. Well, on the day that he shipped out, he posted a photo on Facebook, and two girls commented on it. Two girls that I had a gut feeling he was cheating on me with. But he constantly told me that I was crazy and paranoid. Well, I decided to comment on that same picture and make it clear that we were in a committed relationship. Well, one of the two girls came forward and messaged me on Facebook the truth about her relationship with him. And I honestly could not thank her enough for coming forward because it validated my gut feelings and she was no longer talking to him by discovering this information. It proved that what I was feeling and what I knew in my gut was true. 
I kept this information from him until after boot camp where he would ask me to marry him. And I decided not to marry him and confronted him about his lies and these women. And I showed him the messages that I received from this wonderful woman. At this point, he could not deny it any longer. And he told me the truth. Eventually, I ended the toxic relationship that continued to be filled with lies like this. But I wouldn't have had the mental and emotional strength to do that if this woman would not have come forward and told me about how their relationship extended past friendship. And I would have continued to think that I was insane for thinking he was talking and seeing other women. I would say that this woman saved me from bigger heartbreak and a potential divorce by just being honest with me. I would say that if Alyssa decides to reach out to the fiance, she should be respectful and she should just let her know that she had no idea about their relationship and wanted to give her the information to do with it what she chooses. So, Anna, that's from Danielle. Yeah, well, that's a pretty powerful story. Anna, remember when you said that people have a tendency to shoot the messenger? Yeah. So this letter I'm about to read from Leah, it's a little twist on that situation. So she writes, Hi, guys. So I've been on the other side of this issue. About nine years ago, I started dating my ex-boyfriend for the second time after we had been broken up for three years. He dated this girl in between for the three years, and right when they broke up, we started hitting it off again. About three months into our relationship, his ex-girlfriend emailed me saying she just found out that we were dating again and that I should be careful because they'd been hooking up this whole time. I obviously immediately took this to my boyfriend and he lost his mind. He called her every name in the book, told me she was always jealous of me, she just wants to get back at him, you know, all of that. I believed him, of course. People like him are very charming and convincing, and I responded to her email in a very nasty, nasty way. Q two years later, we break up for a whole other reason, but I had found proof that what he had said two years prior was true. For some reason, I decided that I needed to apologize to his ex-girlfriend for being so mean and for not believing her when she told me all of that. We started emailing back and forth about all of the crazy stuff that he put us through. And now, seven years later, she's one of my best friends. So silver lining. Yeah, wow. I'm sure this won't happen to that girl who called in, but just goes to show that people can be very blind to what's directly in front of them. My now friend had no reason to lie to me that moment, but I chose not to believe her. Well, you know what's kind of amazing about both stories, though, both of the feedback is that um, there's a lot of respect between two people. The second feedback, it, it took some time, um, but but it's it's pretty amazing that in both instances, people are connecting, and that's pretty incredible. Does this change your mind at all about the advice that you gave? I guess the my bigger message was was sort of. I wanted her heart being protected because I've been in situations when I've confronted, you know, an ex about, you know, potential infidelity or like why and have felt kind of manipulated like like most people can relate to. And I just wanted to make sure that Alyssa was protected above all things. Yeah, because whatever happens, um, you know, I just I just want to make sure that she's going to be happy and that she's going to be okay. But it's pretty amazing that, you know, people connect over these over over these ideas. And maybe, does it change your advice, Sim, or your thoughts? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm still one of those guys that says just, just let it go. And I don't know. I kind of agreed with your initial advice. Well, and I also just think that 
it's ethically tough because, of course, like the fiance should be aware. My feeling is that most of the time people are kind of aware, but they choose to ignore it. Yeah. You know? Agree. The important thing is that Alyssa is not with this guy. So I'm not sure. It's a really tricky situation. And for her to have even any other degree of emotional investment in the whole situation puts her at a little bit of risk in in terms of her life being consumed by uh, a potentially, you know, sort of a lashing out angry fiance who probably suspects the priorities always are our callers and I just want to protect them. But I do love the idea that in these two circumstances that with our feedback that friendships were formed and that it ended up being really positive. So I truly, I truly don't know. Alyssa, you've got a lot to think about. Sorry, sorry. Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. And now here's Topher Grace. like wearing the headphones? I don't, but is that a problem? There's no one to hear, right? Until the callers do the thing? No, but it's really fun to hear my voice, like, reverberating <laughs> between your earlobes. I just don't like my voice. <sighs> well, you're going to have to put them on later. I will. To- I happily will. Topher Grace and I played twins in a movie, and we were just talking about that. Who would believe that someone as ugly as me, someone as gorgeous as you... I was come just, from the same I was womb. Thinking, Nobody. What, a, what fictional movie that was that? Competitive spirit was uh, was starting to get in play with me being bossy. By that, that actually, <laughs> that did read, yeah. Um, Topher, thanks so much for being here. It's amazing to see you. I can't remember the last time I saw you. It's great to see you. Can I say something that I thought of in the car oh, on the fuck. way? Oh, fuck, yeah. That before we get into the relationship stuff. Yeah. I realize that the, but I've been in Hollywood 20 years this year and I realized congratulations reason, thank you and it's over now <laughs> that, I'm, I'm done I realized that the reason you come to Hollywood is different for everyone you know some people see a movie or some why people come here is all different but I think the reason that I have stayed is because was that me because of you yeah <laughs> no but actually to be honest it's because working with people who are creative geniuses, which I believe you are one of the creative geniuses I've worked with, are like... Tover, thanks. You know, it's why you... You know, it might not be why you start, but it's definitely why you should stay. Well, th- first of all, I'm... I, I, thank you This very isn't much. something that nobody knows. But <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all flustered. There's a, a mic nice drop, <laughs> by the way, if anyone... <laughs> you can't really see I dropped that. my mic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um... We were talking just a minute ago as we were eating our chicken wraps about um, the movie that you made. I said you were a genius. You, like. ca- that you cast. We're just going to move on? Yeah. Yeah. We're moving on. We'll get, right. we'll get, we'll get to compliments. Oh, later? Oh, that's yeah. the later part? Okay. You were talking about how, like, learning from failure. And that was kind of remarkable. Going from you being a genius in the, my failures? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, no, but, but like, I... But that is how you you learn, right? Like oh, for sure, yeah. And and the idea, I guess, that you come here to pursue a, a wild dream that you know the chances of something actually happening and succeeding and being able to make 
money off of doing something that you love are slim, but you um, either have parents who are completely, they've made you delusional, like Sim and I. (laughs) Did your parents make you delusional? Were they like, Uh, you can do anything? Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, They were very, like, too supportive. But I I think not enough is made of failure. I think you're right, like, of how wonderful... That is, you're probably alluding to the film that you and I starred in that well, opened number which, 11 out of 10 but, on opening weekend. Uh, but I'm really proud of that movie. And and it Me was it, it, when it, it was amazing to watch you be, you know, this incredible producer. And you were telling me, like, what you were proud of. And if you don't mind talking a little bit about that, like, being, like, your casting decisions and, and, and just being able to... Uh, create a movie from inception through completion. My personal belief is that the film comedically was a little bit ahead of its time and maybe a little bit scary for a uh, for a major studio. Sure, yeah. Um, but will you talk a little bit about that? Like, what's the name of the movie? I, I know what the name, but tell our listeners. Take me home tonight. It, when we were shooting, it was called Kids in America. So during press, I was confused all the time. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always confused. It was uh, such an interesting experience. I had this moment where we could get this thing made and I had a great piece of advice from someone as it was coming out. It was shelved for a little while because it had so much cocaine in it, which <laughs> being ahead of its time. Uh, it was both behind its time in that it w- took place in the eighties and ahead of its time in that cocaine's back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the piece of advice I got was just own the whole thing. Uh, I had the idea with a friend of mine and we, brought it into a studio and they made it. And there are plenty of people along that trail that you can kind of, I've noticed this in Hollywood. Like a lot of people will say like, man, that would have been perfect if just the studio hadn't done this or if this producer hadn't said that. But truly we had the idea. We, you know, helped work on the script. Uh, you know, we cast it, we did every part of it. And you were acted like, in it. oh yeah, that sex goddess Anna Ferris must play my twin. My sister, right. <laughs> By the way, short, quick aside, I went in to read with Anna for What's My Number soon after, and we had this real brother-sister relationship, both on and off camera. And in the audition, I had to like make out with you. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's on camera somewhere, some piece, hopefully it's destroyed at this point. And I, I like couldn't do it. I mean, it might be the worst audition of my life because I was like, I just, I, we just played like twins. Like, <laughs> I can't do this. And you probably have been watching my face in oh, the yeah. editing room. I've been in the editing room like watching you and like, whatever. Uh, but uh, that, that uh, is probably the worst audition of my life. And also like we were, <laughs> I think That's you said like, true. oh, the heat. <laughs> So Topher was also telling me that in the testing audience for Take Me Home Tonight, apparently women didn't like it that I swore a lot. They probably hate this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But the testing audience is that sort of, it's helpful but flawed. And I think as an actor, you don't ever want to read the cards. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Did you have to cut out some of the cussing? Yeah, we had to go in and do a full cut. It was funny because I thought... I don't know how I'd feel if it said men didn't like that Anna was swearing, but the fact that it that a large portion of our audience kind of tuned out because I don't know, I got it, they thought they were buddies with you and they didn't like that you were being. And I remember being in the rehearsal where we were like more swears, like just <laughs> like, like fuck yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, go for it. But by the way, that leads me back to the failure thing is that I remember my mom must have been in the test. Audience. That's right. <laughs> 
They were all in the same handwriting, all the cards. I remember saying to you, like, you should swear more. And so what was great at the end of that experience was after all the tests and after it came out and just belly flopped, was that uh, the advice I got was really own it. Uh, don't put it off on someone else. And I'm really glad I didn't because it was so valuable. You could never learn more. I, I thought like you couldn't even go to a college program where they teach that much. Like the professors right. don't know as much as I learned doing every element, you know, meeting with the studio and then auditioning actors. And when I produced again, I, I had this revelation where I thought, oh, this is the greatest experience. Uh, Do you trust your collaborators? Like, because I, I had an experience, you know, producing What's Your Number and the lessons that I learned, most of which felt like, why didn't I fight harder for some of the things that I believed in? And I don't, I have no mm. idea if that would have made it more successful or not, but at least it would have maybe had a little bit more of maybe my point of view mm -hmm. with the vision, I guess, but who knows? That's probably. But now I bet too. anything that you produce in the future, you will. And that's the gift of. Podcasting. That experience, right? The chance of having a podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that you really speak up around here, really yelling at everyone. And it's weird because when we when you started recording, all of a sudden you stopped yelling and you're acting all nice. I like, know. What's I that? know. It's a good act, right? right? Like I've got a big grin on my face. Oh, okay. So also, this is also something that feels a little bit delicate. But you you changed my life in a number of ways. And are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Right. But sometimes when you're in a relationship, the people that are closest to you can't tell you it's not great because you won't hear it. You know, your defenses get high and it's like, well, you whatever. It's like, you don't know. I'm like, I do whatever. But and I was in a relationship when we met um, and you were like, I literally you said, Anna. What the fuck are you doing? I read the book, Anna. I read <laughs> You read? The book. You did? No, I got the audio book. Because oh, I thought, good. I really uh, want the experience. You love my sexy voice. Yeah. And uh, I anyway, remember it a little bit differently. Okay. All right. Well, isn't that but the way memory goes? this is over a decade ago, right? I, I think there's an interesting idea in that it takes, sometimes it takes like uh, a new friend or somebody that you respect to give you a different kind of perspective that you suddenly hear. Here's how I remember it, which is which is basically the same thing. So it's basically what is in the book. I didn't have a ton of time because I was producing and acting in that and thing. You, like learn your fucking lines. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. I, I just went, no, no. I just was wondering if that was the the subtext. Oh no, no. Yeah, I was like, look, I can't deal with all <laughs> yeah. this. Like, I don't need to hear about your personal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> no, I no, I thought you were amazing. I remember on the first day of shooting, you took my producing a partner aside and was like, "My cat needs this kind of sushi." But but so serious that he came to me and was like, "Hey guys, I think we need to get like a specific kind of sushi for her cat." And then later I went up to her and was like, "Hey, uh, is this sushi thing real?" And you were like, "Oh no, not at all. Like, I was just messing with him." 
which which already I was like, oh god, like what an amazing. I mean, that's like that's not even going to make it in the movie. Like, that's just a great joke. Um, so I thought you were amazing, and I thought we were doing great work together. And I and I was watching you do work because I was on set the whole time, so I was watching you do great work that I wasn't a part of on screen. And uh, I had saw that you were having some issues, and and you're right, I didn't know you well enough to say this, and I can be pig-headed with giving advice sometimes, which most people probably don't like, but you happen to like. But I, what I said to you, I think, if I remember it, was you came into my trailer and we're talking, saying, like, I, I don't know, and there had been some issues. And I just said, like, I don't have a ton of time because I got to <laughs> run and do this thing. But you know how, like, you have that girlfriend, Anna, who's like, like Betty, like Betty can't figure it out. Like, why is Betty like with that guy, you know, like Betty, you know, like, oh, she's so great. Why can't she figure out? Why is she? I'm sure every guy kind of has a guy friend like this too, but every girl I know seemed to have a Betty. And I was like, you're Betty in this situation. I got to go. <laughs> like just, I, I think I really said something like, look, it's because you're so cool and such an intellectual really. And I was like, I think you can understand this on top of, you know what it sounds like but like either like do it or don't but your life's probably gonna suck if you if you don't do it <laughs> goodbye <laughs> goodbye get out my trailer gotta get to fucking set i'm a producer on this shit ferris no but i i think i i i was actually tickled that you listened because i think i've given that kind of advice to people and it's been met sometimes with because oh, like, i respect you so much and and it, and it was something i think subconsciously that you know that i was begging to hear okay wait one other moment from yeah, when else did I change your life? Okay, well, right now. Right. So, you know, we had, what, 40 days of night shoots? <sighs> yeah. It, like the whole, we only had one day shoot. So we're all in Phoenix, and, we, you know, we've got this young cast, and we have, because the, the movie takes place over one night, we had a lot of the same background. Do you know what moment I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do. <laughs> do you, do you no, want to No, you just... can please tell the story. <laughs> it's my favorite story, maybe, from the movie. <laughs> And, and you know they're they're all local locals, and I'm sure you you paid them very well, didn't you, Topher? <laughs> yeah, that was where our budget went. <laughs> um, so you know we would see the same you know group of young actors, like maybe forty of them. Yeah, and we said it has to be people with long hair because it was the '80s. So like to go and put out a flyer in Phoenix, Arizona, <laughs> and say anyone with long hair is hired. <laughs> it's like a very specific demo. And uh, there was one young man who just seemed a little bit erratic. And I, because I, I want to be gentle with this, but it was one of the more amazing experiences, I guess, that I've witnessed. And I'm glad that I wasn't you. So, so you could feel like his energy. He was kind of, you know, he was antsy. He was very antsy. We're doing sort of the climactic scene where you are giving a monologue about. <laughs> Like, this is your moment. And, you know, and it's probably, what, 4 a.m.? Yeah. And everyone's eye sort of keeps, like, drifting over to this guy because you can tell his energy is just getting, like, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, just more and more kind of manic. Like, he's he's not staying on his mark and, you know, whatever. And he was, he was young. And then suddenly, like, in the middle of this incredible monologue that you're delivering where you are, like, com you're completely... Uh, be, you know, it's it's the moment of the movie, and and you're very passionate. And um, suddenly, we all hear "cut," <laughs> and you were like, "Who said that? Who said that?" No, this happened like five it, or six times. Because oh, it did happen. It's a huge crowd. Yeah, because we would watch it 
uh, in the editing bay later, <laughs> the raw footage, because it was filming every time, which is I, he had Tourette's. And uh, I, I guess I, if you want to yell the worst tr- thing that you, you know, or you don't want to yell, you would it, yell cut. It, it was, and I was like, it who was keeps fa- cutting the scene? Like, this it is was, going well, I thought. <laughs> so it was like, it was like, it was, it was kind of brilliant. I mean, he's a was, smart guy. That was. is the worst thing someone could yell. Yeah. Like, if you yell, like, <laughs> you that's the worst thing you could like, yell on a fucking cunt or whatever. But <laughs> cut is incredible. And uh, and I was just so glad that it wasn't a monologue that I that I was... <laughs> the, the takes of me, we should have put it on the blooper reel, I guess, or something. But I, like, is that the director? Like, who's... Because the director was far away because it was such a big crowd scene. But it was so... Tra- it, was, it was like, I, you could tell how badly he felt like you could feel it that summer was the it was like you don't think you're gonna go to camp again because you're way yeah. too old for camp. and then like we had one extra summer of camp so it was like such a great group of actors and and we it had was nights we had to stay on, yeah we, <laughs> we had to stay on nights over the weekends because we didn't want to go back onto the daytime time zone so we'd like wake up and go on to a party van yeah and like driver oh my god that was crazy that was so much fun it was it was great. It was like camp. Thanks, Topher. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to happen. We were all staying in those condos, all in one area. It really, w- would you call them condos? Yeah, <laughs> we're across from Target. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and, we uh, went to a like uh, there was asbestos. Look, who whoever wanted, was- who didn't tune into your relationship <laughs> advice show and wants to hear about. A movie from 11 years ago, all the behind the scenes. No one cared about, by the way, when the movie came out. Uh, this is what happened. There was an IHOP right across the street, and that's where we ate breakfast, which was appropriate in IHOP, but maybe only you want to do once a year. And then lunch and dinner every day, because the only 24-hour place. Oh, God, yeah. so much IHOP that year. Well, you, you do like pancakes. I like a good pancake, yeah. And Benihana. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone who just like like bounced out of their relationship. Like they tuned into the show to get advice on relationships and they're like, I'd rather just be alone. You did break up a lot of relationships yeah, on that's, that. That's that's that I, you weren't the only one. I mean I, I went I know, around everyone. I, uh, what are you doing with that loser? Like get out of here. Um okay, we're gonna do a little thing. Um this is called Deal Breakers. You have to imagine that you are single. Got it. Okay. Is this a deal breaker? Topher Grace. Mm. She ran a That 70s Show fan website in the very late 80s. This is crazy. I dated dated this girl, but go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's how I met my wife. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's not how. She had like never watched That 70s Show. But would, I'm just wondering. Would I date something? No. You know how I am with that stuff. Like, I mean, I sort of know. But you also, you know, who doesn't like a, you know, a little fan fan, fan worship? (laughs) Um, she insists on feeding you a bite of everything that tastes good. Hmm. Or that, does it taste good to me or it tastes good to her? Tastes really good to her. I'm going to tell you the situation I'm in with my wife right now. She only says, try this when it's probably terrible. You know what I mean? Like, try this. Like, she says, weird look on her face. So So it's it's not not a deal deal breaker. breaker. (laughs) It's not a deal breaker. Uh, she dated one of your co-stars. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a deal break. Uh, would it be dependent on uh, which co-star? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, let's say uh, Mila Kunis. She dated Mila Kunis? Yeah. Oh, it's not a deal breaker. It's on. <laughs> um, why, who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
I would date anyone that <laughs> dated one of my co-stars. In fact, that's the only way I date people. <laughs> um, she she thinks tampons are oppressive and refuses to wear You're them. You're not answering any of these? These are just for me? Yeah. All right. Uh, she thinks tampons are what? Oppressive. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I, sure it's not a deal. I mean, I don't know. What does that mean? That- well, she's a feminist. Maybe this dialogue goes down on the first date. Or second date. Let's take I would say, second yeah, date. maybe that's a little a bit of a red flag. But I have no problem with it. I just think, like, as long as it doesn't affect your day-to-day, all good, right? Okay, you wouldn't explore why hmm. the philosophy <laughs> behind it? I would say there'd probably be other uh, red flags, too. <laughs> that can't be the only thing that's going on there. <laughs> well, yeah, she's, she's pretty assertive in her passions about femininity and being a feminist. Anna, who is this about? <laughs> Specifically. She, she believes that uh, the vaginas uh, should only be filled with penises. <sighs> I gotta say, sounds like not a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I find it a little confusing about who this person is, but, you know, I like okay, so her. So you wouldn't date her, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when she climaxes, she meows. I mean, I obviously think I had a thing like that. Like, not 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 a literal cat meow, but like, what? You can't judge that stuff, right? Come on. But what if it's just the tiniest meow? Like, <laughs> God, I really miss working with you. I really meant what I said. Like, it was great. It was like I think we had equal stuff off the set that was funny as on the set. Do you remember we did a whole James Lipson thing? You don't remember. Oh, God. Wait, yeah, tell me, remind me about that. We just that. started doing for the making of thing. <laughs> we did it. We were doing a James Lipson thing. I was interviewing someone else. And then Anna ran in and was like, hi, I'm a second year student, first year drama. And <laughs> <laughs> gave like a 20 minute, like, first year film minoring. And, you know, and then. Well, I had to make it all about like, me, didn't I? No, it was, it was genius. It was really like. Creative, awesome summer camp. Um, okay, quick yes or no. Professions you wouldn't date. Flight attendant. Sure, I'd date a flight attendant. Bottle service girl. Date? I mean, what does date mean? <laughs> <laughs> I date her. <laughs> Fish. Price is right model. Sure. I mean, I, I can't think of the... The profession that I'd say, no, I'm not going to date you because of your profession. An intern at TMZ. Oh, you did it. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) That is like intern. I'm a (laughs) non-paid, like there's no reason. Um, Criminal defense attorney. Sure, yeah. Oh, criminal defense? Yeah. Animal psychic. That's a tough one. Uh, Sure, yeah. Find out what my dog's thinking. (laughs) I just always feel like with that idea, unless, I mean, it would be amazing to date an animal psychic, like if she always like said hysterical things that your animal was thinking. <laughs> like that you know just aren't true? Like your dog wants more cotton candy. It's crazy about sponge sugar. Yeah, The last one is Storm Chaser, a camera person. Yeah. Yeah? Definitely, yeah. Okay, are you sure? I, I, I am sure. I am also sure that this is making me sound really slutty, this whole list. <laughs> I know. I, you know what we should have qualified? We should have said, like, professions, maybe that you wouldn't date long-term. Oh. Are any of these long-term? 
Uh, this, uh, I feel like your approach is like, is this a one night stand? Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Criminal defense attorney is probably the one that's long term out of this group right here. Oh, sure. What? Yeah. Come You're on forgetting now. about the bottle service, girl. Yeah. Wait a minute now. Yeah, free and bottles, also, dude. Free bottles. Listen, free sparkles. Listen. <laughs> I admire anybody who can make a living off of doing something that they like. And her passion is. Yeah, flirting. Fl- flirting. <laughs> I, I apologize to the service industry of once, which I was a part of, and I admire it. Were you ever? What was your worst? I was a job? bottle service girl for a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The hardest part is I kind of you know, flirting but not opening that door. <laughs> I remember years ago you were telling me a story about how because I used to go out with Wilmer in New York back mm-hmm. in the day, and I remember you were telling me a story about how you went to a, like one of the hot clubs in New York with Wilmer. Okay, I'm going to tell you this whole story right now. Do you edit this program, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so just cut this whole thing. No, out if you want. No, 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 no. And I love Wilmer. And I just saw him for dinner a month ago. I, mean, I we're still really. Let's tight. call him Bilmer. <laughs> this is this is a different guy. This is Bilmer Balderama. <laughs> he um. He loved clubs. Okay, first of all, Wilmer is one of the great humans of all time. Like, it was... He's so great. Really, my dressing room was right next to his, and it was my love. I've never met him. You've never met him? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, my Sorry. God. You would really love him. Like, he is a great human. He'd just come from Venezuela, like, I want to say, like, less than two years before he got that show. He did one Pac Bell commercial, and then was you know starring on a show and he, he didn't know English very well at the beginning and he kind of learned it as the show went on and he is a truly great spirit. I mean when I'm talking about people who I think are comedic geniuses like yourself, everyone on that show was doing kind of like a character that you'd seen before, you know, like he was like coming from Neptune. Like I don't know what that character was. <laughs> and he also loves going out and life is a banquet for that guy. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Life is a banquet. Can I steal that? I think it's from Auntie Mame. So we're in New York. I was doing the Spider-Man movie in New York, and I guess they were on Hades. He was still on uh, 70s, and he said, hey, I'm I'm at this club. I was, like, very boring uh, my whole life. I still am. Now I, like, it's like I'm supposed to be boring. But back then it was like, oh, he's the boring one on that show for sure. You know, I never acted before 70s shows, so I, I, like, whatever. I was not ready to go party all the time. We were in New York. I had some time off. He had some time off, and I said, hey, let's have dinner tonight. Uh, and he said, we're going to a Nobu and then we're going to, you know, out to the club. What was it, like Stereo Mar- or Marquee. Marquee think, whatever, yeah. yeah, one of those two. And I said, uh, why don't I come with you? We're just going to have another dinner another night in, the, you know, the West Village. If it's me, I was like, let's, I want to roll with you. So he said, you got it. So it started with his bodyguard. What? Like, I didn't have a bodyguard. Like, Mila didn't have a bodyguard. Like, <laughs> but uh, showing up, big dude. Big dude, cool, great, great guy. Great guy. Showing up in my apartment, being like, let's roll. And I was like, all right. So he had a four-wheel drive limo thing. You know, in New York, you, you don't have to, they have limos driving around all the time. You just, you know, whistle and they <laughs> stop. <laughs> you don't have to do that. But it was like, whatever. So we get into that car and uh, we go to Nobu and Wilmer's there. And I'm talking like the driver and Everyone comes in and we're at this huge table. It was like in Get Shorty when he makes that order. He's like, I'd love uh, tuna shavings and a spiral, like in a plate this big. And they're like, you got it. 
okay. And they just showed up with it 20 minutes later. So then we went to this club, which was the hot club. I mean, I, I, I could never even get into these clubs, and he'd obviously done a lot. And I go to get out. And, no, no, no. We got to wait for the club to get right. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. So we just stayed in the car. We're like listening to like loud music in the dark car and there were lights. And I was like, isn't this essentially what we're going to be doing in the club? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's the same, you know, we're just getting, I mean, I already was like really tired at this point. <laughs> and then we, the bodyguard came out and said, Hey, like it's ready. It's like it's, it's hot. Or whatever. <laughs> so we walked in through, I've never had an entrance like this before. We walked in through these double doors and the DJ goes, Oh shit. Look who's in town. Bilmer. On, yeah, Bilmer. <laughs> and on the turntable goes, California love. And he throws the mic. Wilmer catches it with one hand. goes like, make money, money, make money, money, money. And the club goes insane. And I was like, whoa, I am doing it wrong in life. Like, this was unbelievable. Like, I mean, people were jumping. It was like an eight mile. And the whole crowd was jumping up and down. And he's, you know, tossing $20 bills out of the crowd. I was like... It was like going, like jumping out to get some of the 20s, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, that was the first time you guys had like been out, out together? That was also the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys go home together? No. I like 20 minutes in, I was like, hey, thank you so much. Like, Thank truly, you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, That's the worst you. part. You were never one of those people, Anna. I mean, you were never going to clubs. I always wanted to be one of those people, but yeah, me too, uh, yeah. yeah, but no, I wanted it to be. I wanted more than I wanted it more it was, than it was. Did. It was a fun time. Yeah, you guys. But no, I, no, because I I didn't really. I don't know. There's like the the moment of euphoria, which is that entrance moment, I guess. And it's like the night is full of possibility, and then it's like no, not for me. I don't I don't really belong. Here. I took you to a club when you came to New York. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Do you want to know why? Why? Because your girlfriend at the time. <laughs> Lied about her age? Yes. Yes, I remember that. Another to story. be older or younger? Uh, to be younger. It was a whole awkward, like, ID presentation thing that didn't happen. <laughs> Let's do the game before we get okay. to the calls. It's very easy. It's called Know Your Lines. We've done this one time before. I don't know if you remember this during the Nick Kroll episode. Know Your Lines. Very simple. So you and Anna have been in a combined 78 movies and 322 episodes of TV. Congratulations. Cool. And we're only 218 years <laughs> old combined. <laughs> hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
<laughs> in honor of that, we're going to play a game called Know Your Lines. The rules are very simple. I'm going to play a clip of a line from one of your projects, and you have to guess oh. which movie or TV show it's from. You will each oh, get a turn fuck. going back and forth. You're going to totally fucking... Ugh. Topher, you're going to go first. Great. So, I'm going to crush this. I, I like to I know, watch an episode of Stephanie's show every night before I go to sleep, so I'm, <laughs> like, I'm up on this. All right, first line. So I stabbed her nine times in the chest until they got the scalpel away from me. Topher? That's Predators. Very nice. <laughs> that, that was that 70s show episode three. <laughs> kind of forgotten episode where I uh, murder someone. Topher's cheating. Carly, when I get score? home, I'm going to frame a bunch of stuff I love, like lasagna. Oh, smiley face. That's the easy one. All right, it's tied up. 1-1. One, one. Topher, this one's yours. Oh. I'm having a major college flashback here. Confusion in your eyes. I, th I, I think it's um, in good company. Because of the music. Nicely I don't remember done. saying that line. but Nicely done. Yeah. It's Iron and Wine. Do you know Iron and Wine? No. I just wanted to get to my turn. <laughs> I'm going right. to do honest. Let's say first to... <laughs> first on... Can I try to jump in and see? Sure. All right, cool. I just don't think I could do that with you. I don't watch a lot of other people's work. <laughs> All right. This one's for you, Anna. So seven days to this very hour? My watch broke. How am I going to know the exact hour? Do you want to hear it again? If you want to hear it again, we can play it again for you. Oh, it's gotta be it's gotta be a scary movie. Uh don't nod your head, Laura. <laughs> Laura. Uh I'm gonna go with scary movie three. Nicely done. Wow. No. That was way. impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's all tied up. All right, Topher, this one's yours. Jesus Christ, are you people retarded? It says do not disturb. That's Oceans twelve. Very nice. Can we use that word anymore? I don't even know. That was a different time. Also, I'm playing like a real prick in that gotcha. movie. So. so it made sense for the character. Although I am playing myself. <laughs> but I always did this like in Ocean's 11, Ocean 12, I play a, but just like, you know, it's funny. They brought us on to do Ocean's 11. It was a bunch of young actors at that time. And everyone was doing like the greatest version of themselves. Like, oh no. Well, you, you did it in, in the Keanu thing. It's like, oh, you can't right, play yeah, yourself. Yeah, and it's right. like, oh, well, you must really be a jerk in real life. So I did like the dumbest idiot like just the guy you don't want to be i mean yeah you kind of have to you guys are doing great this is amazing all right so anna this one's yours go for it this is a big step <laughs> but I, I think it's the right thing oh my god of course take me home tonight what the hell was that tover you yeah. just gave her a look yeah yeah i know well i only watched the movie 300 times <laughs> in editing <laughs> you could have jumped in all right go for it tovers whoa why don't you just back the fuck up, man? To this place? What is that shit? This is traffic. Nicely done. This is very easy for you, isn't it? You're so you're so fucking good in that movie. I just well, want to make it really clear. Like I, I don't watch an episode of that seventy show every night before I go to sleep. That was a joke, right? All right just, I feel like now maybe it looks like I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's easy because I watch this stuff all the time. All right, Anna, this one's yours. Barrel into me with that pathetic excuse for a child's penis, and it would end so quickly. Gotta go with waiting. This is really easy. I mean, last time it was we made it much more difficult. We apologize. This Maybe I've just become more familiar with my work. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys are crushing <laughs> it right but now. But you did. You guys have picked pretty great, like wonderfully specific lines. I know. I know. Next, let's try this one. Maybe it gets harder now. I should try to guess it before. 
<laughs> Might be harder. Go for it, Tophers. Has anyone ever painted your portrait? <laughs> you got me, dude. I actually yes! don't know what that is. That actually sounded really cheap. Play that one more time. Has anyone ever painted your portrait? <laughs> That's from a, just a documentary about my life. <laughs> I, I really don't know. That, that sounds Painted your terrible. portrait? Is it Has like, anyone ever painted your portrait? Is it like, it wouldn't be Take Me Home Tonight. No. <laughs> no. I'm just trying to figure out like, what movie are you trying to like be seductive? And I, I don't know. That's a terrible line reading too. I, I'm no. so sorry. How do you deliver that line? Has anyone ever? Oh, is it from Saturday Night Live? It's not. Oh. It's not. Do you want to know? No, that would be my guess is some comedy thing. It's from P.S. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, P.S. I was a painter in, <laughs> a painter in P.S. <laughs> that makes sense. It's not the most defining trait of that character. But <laughs> that was a movie I did with Laura Linney that is, is a great, like, really small, cool film. And she's, like, she's amazing. All right, Anna, this one's yours. We finally stumped uh, Topher. Small people, they come and go. Small people, they just don't know. Anna knows this one. This one's easy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just friends. Nice job. <laughs> I loved playing that character. Oh, God. That was like some next level <laughs> shit you were channeling in that movie. <laughs> did you, when you were making that, did you know, like, whoa, what am I doing? Like, oh, it made me feel so, because on the page, it was, it was, she was just sort of written as a, like, just as a, as a, a really, you know, uh, like a bitchy character. So right. it was like, but some, and the director just wanted to make her insane, and it made me feel, oh, it was just so delicious to like. Every so the director day. went with you where you wanted to go. Kind yeah, of. Right. yeah, and and he also uh, Roger Cumble and Ryan Reynolds. Like they would, like we would. It was very collaborative. It was really fun to be like, ah, oh, I'm gonna be like stupid dick, fuck yeah, like like it was. It was just delicious. And in the culture, like, I know it would be great if you saw it now, but also in the culture at that right, time, it was right. like, how many of these girls can we make? It was just so, it was just so fun to be that insane. Like, nothing rational. Like, <laughs> so what's good. happening with their character? We have one left each. So, Topher, you wow. have to get this right. I think we're doing this. You have to get I, this I right. I think this might be the best I've ever done. Can you I ask might you guys a question? Thing. You might win this thing. Has anyone ever... Painted your portrait? <laughs> Amazing. Has anyone ever painted your portrait? I think mine was better. That was, has anyone ever... What's the line again? Can you play that again, please? <laughs> yeah, please keep playing it. Has anyone ever painted your portrait? Yeah. Has anyone ever painted your portrait? Has anyone ever painted your portrait with their penis? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they haven't. Give me five minutes. <laughs> All right, Topher, you have to get this one right. So uh, what's 0.467 times 32? 149.5. This is too easy. This one was too easy. I wouldn't be thinking about Take Me Home Night unless we were just talking about it for so long. But that's, you know, I know that one is because there was so much math. I had to start memorizing it like, <laughs> like th 20 days before we shot it. Anna, if you get this one right, you win. This will be only the second I time. I want to be on Facebook. What picture did you use? <sighs> Wait, hang on. Okay, I'm weirdly breathy. Well, I usually am. <laughs> I don't want to be on Facebook. Oh, it's got to be what's your number? Anna wins. Ah! Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. This really means a lot. Last time it was tougher. Yeah, I felt like last time it was like you would just play a clip of me going, what? <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs>
Okay, Laura, we are ready to get to calls now. And we are first, we're first, we're going to call Delia. And Delia is in Connecticut and she's 22. Let's dial. Can you uh, volume a little bit down? Thanks. And can you turn the, the monitor this way as well? Hello. Hey, Delia, it's Sim. How are you? Hi, Sam. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing well. Anna, say hi to Delia. Hi, Delia. Hi, Anna. It's weird talking to you in person. <laughs> um, hey, thanks so much for, for submitting a question. I don't know what it is yet, but Topher Grace is here, and he's, hey, he's fantastic. Hi. Good D- to Delia, talk where to you. are you from? I love in... that 70s show. Oh, thank you. Where are you Sorry? from in Connecticut? I'm, I'm from Connecticut. Oh, really? Well, I grew up in Ridgefield, um, but I live in Stanford. Oh, my gosh. Now. I grew up in Darien and worked at the Stanford Mall. My whole, all my teenage oh years my at gosh. Suncoast Video. Orange Julius? No, it's Suncoast Video. That's so funny. I know a bunch of people from Daria. I don't think I knew that. Wow. Cool. Wait, isn't that from the, the yeah. movie? Yeah. Which we then put into a movie that I did with Anna. So, I mean, this was meant to happen. <laughs> I'm really hoping for like an iTunes spike in rentals for Take Me Home Tonight after this is released. <laughs> Any, anything would be a spike. <laughs> I have to be honest. I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> So now there will be an iTunes spike. It'll be me going yes. to watch it. Your buddies who you're on the phone with right now are begging you to watch this movie. <laughs> Speaking of movies, you have a movie coming out. Uh, August 10th called Black Klansman. It got like a seven-minute standing ovation at Sundance. Well, I think ten it's ten minute, minutes. But who's counting? I mean, <laughs> ten, three, three minutes, whatever. But you play David Duke. It's, it's so good. I mean, I, I don't Lee. even feel a huge need to like push it, but it's like... Uh, it's really like amazing like to be in a movie that's that good, that says something that's that powerful. I hadn't seen it before the premiere. I was doing a movie in Canada. So to then go to the Cannes Film uh. Festival and, and watch it for the first... I mean, it would have been good if just the movie was good. But then to get this huge ovation and everyone was talking about it, it was so cool. Yeah. I was just going to say that uh, I'm on a sitcom called Mom. <laughs> we, we didn't get into Cannes this year. <laughs> I will tell you that on the downside, when they were doing this huge, I mean, like a one minute standing ovation is way too long. Like a 10 minute standing ovation is like, I mean, it's just embarrassing. But they take a camera and they put it on everyone's face in the cast and you're up on the big screen live. I didn't even know this is something that happens in Cannes. So first they went to John David Washington, who's the star. And then they went to uh, uh, Laura Harrier, who's uh, the female star. And then they went to me, and I play the Grandmaster Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And the audience, like, kind of stopped clapping. But, I, but, but they were clapping. I mean, I don't think they thought I did a bad job acting, I hope. But, like, they were like, I'm not sure if we should applaud this. So that was the only lull in the applause. And then they went to, like, Adam Driver and everyone. Oh, like, he's fantastic. And, okay, I guess this is kind of a side effect of playing... Uh, <laughs> like a human piece of shit. <laughs> Delia, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. It's funny Delia, I just wanted to call talk. you and talk to you about my career. <laughs> no, 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 go on. You're giving a glowing review right now. Um, there's actually, if you watch a bunch of 70s show, there's a, there's a lot of levels to those performances. So check a couple of those out again. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. <laughs> all right, Delia, we're going to get to you now. Tell us what's going on. Okay. Um, all right, so I'll try and be quick and concise and to the point. Go for it. So basically, I just got out of a long-term two-and-a-half-year relationship. So I'm 22 years old. He's 27. It was a really great relationship with a lot of love and respect and uh, really great all around. Um, I guess I genuinely thought I would marry this guy, which as I listen to your guys' podcast, I realize I'm 22. And it's, anyway, um, you know, and we talked about it and the only problem is, or not the only, but I live in Stanford, um, which is kind of a fun young professional city. It's 45 minutes outside of New York. Um, and he lives in a cute kind of Connecticut suburb where families settle down, but uh, 27 year olds don't it's not ideal for a 27 year old. He works for his dad's company. Um, you know, he owns his own place, has a dog. And I guess I've known this for a while, feels a little bit trapped in his own life. Um, so flash forward to about a month and a half ago, he gets a text saying, uh, from a friend who, I don't know who the friend is. He never told me, but it's saying, um, things along the lines of, uh, clearly I was there with this one guy, I was flirting with him. It was completely inappropriate. It looks like I was going to go home with this guy and then kind of ended the text by saying, I'm so sorry to tell you this. You deserve better, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So he kind of sent me a screenshot of that text and I'm the type of person that wants to resolve things quickly. And I knew I had basically done nothing wrong. So I was like, I reached out to him immediately, called him a bunch of times. He didn't talk to me for a day. And then when we did talk, he was like, look, I understand people flirt. It's okay. Let's just not, he basically was like, I don't want to talk about this again. Let's not mention it. Two weeks later, we um, have a trip planned to Mexico for 10 days. I'm, I'm a student. So I was about to, you know, going through my finals week, the weekend before the Mexico trip, he goes to Philly with his brothers and his best friend. Um, he comes back that Monday, breaks up with me. It's like, Hey, I need to talk to you. Calls me on the phone. Uh, we have this really long drawn out breakup, like 10 hours of us just crying and being like, we love each other, whatever. Um, he's like, you're the best person in my life. Um, getting that text though, made me realize how unhappy I am in my own life. Um, he was basically like, I have to figure my own life out. Um, it just really sucked reading that about you. And, uh, basically he was like, I can't rely on you to make me happy. Um, I need to figure things out. I'm kind of stuck in a rut in my own life. And he was like, I have to fix my own shit before I can be with anyone. And he was like, I love you and I'll never close the door on us. So anyway, great, respectful breakup. I completely understood. Um, as sad as it was, we parted on our, you know, we parted ways for about two weeks. We back and forth, you know, the typical, I miss you, you know, I love you. This is hard, whatever. 
then he, uh, two weeks later, Saturday, he gets a tattoo. Um, doesn't tell me about it. I mean, it's not like we were really talking, but anyway, this is relevant to the story a little bit. So that night I'm out with my friends. I'm upset about the tattoo. I'm like, that kind of sucks. Uh, my friend who is the guy that I was accused of flirting with two or three weeks prior sees, you know, that I'm upset and is like, do you want to go to a different bar and talk about this? And so he actually just got out of a relationship as well. So we go to a different bar, nothing happens. Um, we just, I talk about my ex-boyfriend the whole time, which probably wasn't great for him, but I, you know, um, he's a friend, he's easy to talk to. Then our friends are like, Hey, we're going to this other bar, like meet up with us there. So we go to that bar, we're waiting in line for the bouncer to check IDs and my ex's little brother's best friends get in line right behind us. And they're like, Oh my God, Delia, how are you? Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. Where's Ben? And I was like, you know, he broke up with me and then one of his friends. And then I introduced him to my friend. Um, and he was like, the brother's friend kind of did a suggestive, like I thing being like, Oh, moving on quickly. Aren't we? And like, you know, the type of thing where like my stomach dropped and I was like, it's not what it looks like. Um, and then the other friend was like, how, like that explains the tattoo, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then I try and get out of the situation. Cause I mean, obviously I've been drinking. It's the very end of the night. We go into the bar, we find our other friends. And then I, being, you know, my drunk self, I was like, I can resolve this really quickly. So I go find, I see the friends at the bar, I walk up to them and I was like, Hey, could you do me a favor? Please don't say anything to Ben. I know this looks bad, but I, I really swear it's nothing. And I really don't want to hurt him or make him think anything of this. Um, so, um, a couple of days later, I text Ben about Mex the trip to Mexico, um, talking about the refund. I was like, did you, were you able to get some? Anyway, he's like, yes, demos me. That's done. And then he follows up by saying, I heard about what happened on Saturday night. I think it's best we don't talk for a long while. Um, me being me, problem solver, immediately, I was like, there's nothing to be upset about in my mind. So I reached out to him a bunch. He ignored me. He started posting a bunch on Instagram, Snapchat, you know, making stories all the time. I, you know, sent him a message and I'm like, can you please stop posting. You're not responding to me. It's so unkind. I, I didn't do anything wrong, blah, 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 blah. He responds saying you were a cheating girlfriend. You're hooking up with guys left, right and center in Stanford. Now, like uh, you're upset. Like you, you're saying I'm doing something wrong, but like you've been doing something wrong this whole time. Also, he's at a bachelor party. So a lot of boy stuff anyway. So the next day I text him back and I say, I really hope you don't have that opinion of me. I would hope you know me well enough. You know me better than anyone. We dated for two and a half years. I would hope, you know, I would never do that to you. I'm genuinely not capable of it. <laughs> so anyway, he responds, says something along the lines of, you know, I don't know what to believe. I, I don't think I know you anymore. And, um, we don't talk for a couple of days and then I, or a day or two. Um, and then I sent him a text something about like, I, it, it was not relevant to the conversation. I was just like, Hey, like, I hope you're doing okay. Like I'm worried about you. He sends me a text message really, really long. The kind where like, what, you know, when you hit, like you have to hit the blue thing to get over to like this white, like essay. So it's clearly pre-written. <laughs> he like, sent it back within a second. And it was a message about how much I've changed. And if I can't recognize that, if I was out with a guy 10 days after we broke up, uh, you know, I'm so sketchy. He can't believe who I've become. Like he's very disappointed in me. And he oh. was like, he'd hoped there was a future for us or maybe in friendship. But the second he found out I was out that Saturday night with the, you know, with the guy, it all evaporated. 
He was like, you're a bad person. I don't recognize who you've become. He was like, I'll be dating. I hope you know that. And I hope you find what you're looking for in life and love. And I sent a text message back, kind of giving a blow by blow of that night. And then I was like, yes, I was hanging out with David, but he's just a friend. Obviously, I'm not capable of cheating on you, number one, and moving on so quickly, number two. I'm not hooking up with any guys right now. I'm sad and I miss you. Um, and then I followed it up by being like, I, I know this is coming from a place of hurt. I want you to be happy. And I hope one day you'll realize I'd never betray you. You're an amazing guy. I hope you can realize that about yourself, blah, blah, blah. Just very kind. His only response was, I didn't realize the guy you were out with that night was David. That makes things so much worse. I'm going to need a lot of space. And uh, this is the day before yesterday. And I followed up and just said, if that's all you got from that text, First of all, I said he was a friend. There's no conclusions to come to. And if that's the only point you got, then all I can say is I wish you the best. Uh, I'll give you all the space you need. And I deleted his number, um, text my roommate. I was like, you have it just in case, but I don't have a memory. Thank God. Deleted our text stream, everything. So I won't be tempted to reach out to him or even if I am, I won't be able to. So anyway, up to present day, my question basically is, should I try to convince him I never cheated on him. Um, you know, we ended with a lot of love and respect and it's really hard knowing now that he has such a negative opinion of me. So I have a few questions before I get to my bigger question. What was the tattoo, but also how did you find out about it? If he didn't tell you my larger question is, it seems to me like he's got a, like an alternate lifestyle going on and he's trying to cover his tracks a little bit does that make talk sense talk about the tattoo first okay so the tattoo um i mean he's a huge star wars fan and he got the uh, rebel alliance symbol on his arm and i found out about it because i follow him on social media and i saw it and then he posted a picture of it and then my sister texted me about it <laughs> just like did you see this so that's how i found out about it basically and then when you talked about uh, him going to like for whatever guys weekend and because to me, his high defense, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, seems like he had something going on and this is his way of, of like being like proactive in the matter uh, by blaming you for uh, a mild flirtation. Do you think that he had something going on? I mean, I've definitely thought about it because I was like, it's strange that he came back from Philly. But no, I mean, his sister and his cousins all live in Philly. And honestly, I think he went to Philly to kind of, I think he already knew that, you know, it wasn't working and he was just needed to get away for the weekend. And it was very clarifying for him. So I don't, I think the core problem is I live in a great fun city and he's stuck in like a, a suburb and just, there's a lot of resentment, I think. Um, I just moved here a couple, like, last fall, and that's when all this stuff kind of came to the surface, stuff I didn't realize he had in him. Um, a lot of jealousy, um, which I have as well, anyone anyone who's human does. but Okay, here's, my, here's me being totally unqualified. I feel like when men get really jealous, oftentimes it is because their own behavior makes them feel insecure because they've they feel guilty sometimes jealousy comes out of a a feeling of tremendous guilt and the other thing is the fact that his friends like immediately went to him and said you're hanging out with other dude there's a world where the conversation is like dude you're off the hook 
there's still a lot of love. I think you guys, but you guys have a, a pattern of communication that isn't great where you both like you're sort of like wanting to resolve things and being like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? And he in response is like, no, like however you guys have established your pattern of communication, if you do want a future with him, which I, I don't know if you should, everything would have to be kind of reworked, I think, because right now it seems like he's got a lot of power and you feel a lot of guilt for, because he's he's able to tell you like, oh, you know, you're whatever, you're hot, your life is exciting, I'm working for my dad. And then in turn, you you feel the need to please please him a lot. And that's not a fair position for you, the, mm -hmm. this this imbalance of power. Does that make, I don't know, do you guys agree with Dude, me? Can I, I ask know. you a question? Yeah, sure. Knowing what you know about him now and after this whole thing, do you, you personally actually want to be back together with him? Um, honestly, I don't know because I, I didn't know this side of him existed, I guess. And I'm just very surprised that him knowing me very well believes I'm capable of this. If I did, it would be, you know, more along the lines of life is very long and, you know, timing is everything. And maybe right now it didn't work out. And five, six years down the line, I see him and it works out. But I think that's the only capacity that I would see it working in for, for you not not would it work for him i mean do you want to be with him oh no no for me um that's a good question i'm i'm not sure because i've had the same thing in my life where friendships and relationships where there's a falling out and i always try to look at it like you know what do i selfishly want because the circumstances can make you feel like you want something that you might not want. Maybe it's kind of what he's trying it's to make true. you feel. Uh, yeah, and, and I think we're conditioned to be in a relationship, to have a sense of security, of course. But I also think that uh, that if he struggles with his own happiness, I've had to learn kind of the hard way that those are things that are out of your control. You can make somebody happy only to a certain degree, and then the rest of the time, it's the struggle for to, to try to make somebody happy. Preach. Yes. I remember having the feeling one time of, of like eventually after trying to make somebody happy um, and then eventually being like, I can't. I like like he's forcing my hand of feeling like this eventually. But it took years of, of it felt like this backpack had been taken off my shoulders. It was like, oh, I'm going to like think about myself because truly like the, he's forcing your hand a little bit here. You can't give up your life or your career to make sure that he feels comfortable. It is a little unfair, more than a little unfair that he's punishing you with, I, I'm really proud that you like deleted his number. I think that's really impressive because it's, it's hard. Thank you. you know, the pattern of most breakups, it goes like this intense relationship and then there's a breakup and then there's like a month or two of like, a tiny reach out here and there, you know, we're, we're all sort of emotionally attached to each other, of course. And then there's a reconciliation and then the, the sort of the time increments of the, the slow, long breakup lasts. It's, it, it, ten, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter, but it lasts for a long time sometimes. <laughs> so if, if you could sort of recognize that idea and recognize what you love about him and, and what 
joy he gives to you, that's one thing. But I don't want you to be in a position where you're constantly texting him and checking in on him. And like, I do suspect that something that he's feeling really guilty about something. So that's why he needed to go on the attack. And his friends probably backed him up on that. And that's why they told him. And it also sounds like there's a lot of other people involved in your relationship between like your sister and his friends and the community or whatever. So I think these are just all things to take into consideration, but I don't think he's in a place right now where he can give you enough. He's not, he's not, he's not in that place to have a mature relationship. That's already established. I'm just, I'm really upset by the fact that his friends completely did that to you. And I, and I hate that when, when guys oh, listen to their friends. And it's, it's what, just one of those things where that annoys me so... But that's so the thing, is that his friends are complicit. Because, Delia, I hope this isn't necessarily true, but they probably have all been, like, fucking around on all of their relationships. And this is how they're, you know, this is how, like, dude, like, we saw her out. Like, you're off the hook. They're just stirring shit up for no reason well, but without you, even... But you know what I'm saying about the off the hook part? Yeah, no, no, like, exactly. That's what I've thought. I've been like, why'd they have to text that? They could have just come up to me when they saw me at the bar thinking I was flirting with someone and been like, hey, like, yeah. what about Ben? And I'd be like, oh, wait, let me introduce you to my friends who he knows I'm out with. That type of thing. Yeah, I don't think that the patterns that you guys have established, it's either a complete reworking that takes some time. But she also wants to know right now, if she should try and convince him that she didn't cheat. No. Is that something that nope. she should do? No, 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 no. Because she, she should just let it go. You don't think? No, because he, That's what I, he'll, yeah. he'll only believe what he wants to believe. And he, and he wants to believe that you did right now. Yeah, that might, I am so much older than you. I have so many experiences in my life, friendships and relationships that have ended with like, that person's forever going to think X, Y, Z. And all I can tell you is from where I'm sitting, like, where are you at with it? Not what does he think and do you have to conform to no. be what he wants? Or Yeah, he wants to right now believe that you are a guilty party member, probably because he feels guilty. I just don't want him to continue to punish you. If you reach out for his... That's kind of what I realized. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, there's no... What I want to happen from this is I want him to be like, no, I know you're a good person. I know that. But I realized that wasn't going to happen. And so that's why I deleted his number. Delia, this should open your eyes as to who this person really is and what your future would look like. If he's going to be like this, this is not someone that you want to spend lo- uh, you know, your life with this guy. You just don't want to spend your life with a guy like that. Anybody who says you've changed or like you've disappointed me, like those are incredibly manipulative things that we only say behind each other's backs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've changed, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really manipulative, uh, almost parental and patronizing thing to say. Well, that's where the age thing kind of comes in. It definitely that at some points our relationship was kind of went that way because he's 27 and I'm 22. And we met when I was 20 and he was 25. And so that that definitely was a bit of a trend. And I was like, I don't I don't know when I'm going to catch up to you. I'm, I'm too young. I don't you know, I love you, but I can't catch up to where you are right now. That's not possible. But, but like, you know, a 12 year old, it's, it's under the guise of maturity, but it, like a 12 year old says you've changed. Like I wasn't a mature 27 year old guy. No, no, no. But, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? I mean, I, I that, that touches a nerve with me, of course, because I'm, a big time actress now in Hollywood. Yeah, when I knew the you back in the day, you did not used to talk like this. You used to be a lot cooler. 
<laughs> no, but I think that uh, I think he's manipulative, and, I, and I'm not quite sure why. Probably because he's he's miserable and trying to convince him of anything. At least right now, while things feel pretty raw, only sort of opens the door to um, like toxic back and forth. Yeah, him portraying himself as a victim and you feeling the need to save him. I mean, that's the ironic thing because he broke up with me and somehow I feel so guilty right now. Yeah, please don't. You didn't do anything wrong. And it's it's like you you like that. This is what the 20s are for. And, you know, there's got to be all kinds of issues like working for a family company or whatever. Like there's all kinds of shit going on and having a bunch of bros and whatever and wanting a larger life. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I you'll think, be fine, Delia. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I, well, thanks, Sam. <laughs> That's a big thing. I'm listening to your guys' podcast and I'm like, I, I will be fine. I yes, know that. Yes, you will be. Hard, very hard right now. But I swear you guys are on repeat, like <laughs> lots of reruns of Unqualified right now what won't be fine is you at 26 having struggled with a relationship for this long and feeling like oh my god why did i waste time uh i say that as a person who's feeling old (laughs) (laughs) um but i know it's not it's so much easier said than done and i'm sorry that um that you're going through this and i would i guess i have one final question for you guys so I kind of thought maybe, you know, in a couple months from now, I could reach back out to him and be like, not not to want to get back together, but just to, since things have gone to such a toxic place, if I was like, could we grab coffee and just talk about what really went down just so we can, you know, I mean, I know closure is not a thing that I you're know. a huge fan of, Anna. <laughs> I know. But I was waiting I for you to use just, that word. Like, I was going to pounce on it. it. less of a toxic end when I look back on this. No, listen, here's the thing. It, it will in time. But right now, um, I bet that he will reach out to you. In which case, call us again. <laughs> but um, <laughs> because I want to know what kind of words he would use. But I do think that there's no easy end to any relationship and that's why I don't like I love the idea of closure but I don't really believe in it because inevitably things will always be a bit raw because you shared an intimacy with somebody that you don't anymore and you had like high hopes for whatever future and but the good news is this with all of these experiences it develops you as a person and like you get a sort of a deeper sense of you know, empathy and you have better stories and you have, you're like, you become richer through heartbreak, I think. Or is that just my really, is that glass half full? It's actually like what we were talking about, even uh, in some of the work on and I have done, you kind of try something and so many of your hopes are pinned to its success. And when it doesn't work out, it feels bad, but actually you planted the seeds for your future success I sound like Tony Robbins, but that's the truth. No, but that's that's a great thing way to think of it, I guess. Planning the seeds for your future success. When you're 26, like Anna said, and you're dating an awesome guy, you're gonna go. I'm so glad I went through all this, you know, in the past. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes, no. because then it makes you. You know, my mom used to. Well, we we talk a lot about like being selfish in love, and I, how I never really understood what it meant. But I do think, yeah, the idea of protecting yourself, ensuring your happiness makes you a better lover and better in a relationship because you can, because if your, your happiness will of course make somebody else really happy, who's willing to accept it. 
Oh God, who am I? You've changed. You're really selfish. All right, now. let's. <laughs> well, we should wrap up this um, call. Hey, thank, thank you. Will you keep us posted? Don't, don't, don't reach out to him. Don't make a decision I will. about coffee. No more bad things to share about. Yeah, them, and but. and listen, you know the world's your oyster, which always never really made a ton of sense to me. Yeah, watch Take like, Me Home tonight. It'll all make sense. <laughs> <laughs> thank Delia, you. thank you. Thank you. I love you. Well, thank you, thank you so much. I love you as well. Uh, your podcast has been great, you know, opening my eyes with the whole breakup situation. So thank you. And uh, thanks for giving me advice just now. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks, Delia. Bye. Um, hey, Topher. We got to wrap it up, I guess. <sighs> I'm down to should stay we, for as long we, as... Should we give you a 12-minute standing ovation? Yeah, guys, I, really last time on. I did something, I got a 10 minutes, so... All right, honestly, 10 minutes, dude? That's a long time. Look, look I... some of it's cultural, so you got to give it to... It's French. They're the French over there. Because but... 30 seconds seems like a long time to stand and, and clap. People were throwing roses and stuff. I mean, it was like... I, by the way, I'm not saying like I expected that to happen. I've been working for 20 years. Like I've never had an experience like that. It was... I'll tell you the craziest thing of the whole thing is uh, I did a film a couple of years ago with Christopher Nolan, Interstellar. It was like an amazing experience. Uh, and I had a small part in it. I was, you know, anything to work with that guy. And I wanted to work with more auteurs like him and Spike Lee and stuff. So I didn't know he was in the audience. And at the end, I was passing him and I said, you know, oh my God, Chris, like, I mean, who's like a god of filmmaking. Like, and he said, wow, like, great job. And I thought, what planet am I on? Like, I'm in Hollywood heaven. It was like, it was just so great. Um, I have two thoughts right now. Number one, if I never like work again as an actor or a podcaster, I want to be like that person that's hired to be the most enthusiastic, applauding. Like I'll just keep it going. I'll be <laughs> like, like the theater is like, closed. I will not. It's dark. You're I will, just still I'm clapping. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to be like you know motioning for everyone to get up again and yeah. keep going. Like wow, yeah, wasn't that the best? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> My second thought was this, Topher. When we are in our early 90s, can we be like those actors that uh, just trade long, boring story after long, boring story? Did I go too Hollywood on this podcast? Is this your way of, it's not normally this Hollywood? I I went a little too Hollywood. Sorry, if anyone is listening qualified, Chris Nolan uh, directed Inception (laughs) and the Batman movies, which are probably familiar. And tell us again about when you you met him. When I I met him? "Ah." Yeah, he said, kid, you got it. Am I clubbing in the mid-2000s? Sorry, guys. It's a relationship <laughs> advice show. Here's the thing. I'm not very good at relationships, so I had to fill it with something. That's not true. That's a longer conversation. But you've, you've been in a lot of long-term relationships. But none of them. Whoever I was in the relationship with, including my marriage now, like, I am the winner. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The other person is no. like, I feel bad for him. Yeah. No, I don't know what you mean. I don't think that's true at all. Um, you're right. I'm just trying to be modest. <laughs> I'm crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Topher, thanks so much. Thank you so much. You're, I mean, you know, I said it at the beginning, but what an experience always to thanks. Be you're, with you. Thanks. You're incredible. Congratulations on on the ovation. And one day, a girl can dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be there on the set of Mother. Just like. It's called Mom. Mother. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> that wasn't you. A Darren Aronofsky movie. Sorry. I went to Filmmaker again. <laughs> Good night, everyone. 